We had a lot of great people. You know, we, uh, we try to get feedback from events like this, and really the, the big glaring feedback, and, and I would be in agreement with this, is next year when we do this, we will do it, and uh, be sure to put it on your calendar. But uh, people were concerned that there wasn't any adult bounce houses. So we will be looking at that. We've heard you, we've heard you, and we will be looking into that. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I'm gonna get right into my Easter message. You know, survey says, surveys tell us that 81% of Americans intend to celebrate Easter today. So 81% of all Americans are celebrating. Um, but I, I wonder this. I wonder if everybody truly understands. Sometimes there's a, a lot of mixed messages that, that are out there. And I really, I really wonder if people really see the whole Jesus connection. You know, what, what, what was that Jesus thing all about? What was that, that cross, that, that resurrection thing all about? Well, again, as I said before, today we celebrate a risen king, a risen savior, that he is alive. And he very much wants to be involved in your life today. We, we, we've, been watching, we've been doing a sermon series here the past few weeks, and this is the end of our sermon series, and we called it He Knows. He Knows. H- have you ever gone through a tragedy, a difficulty, or a challenge in life? Of course, all of us. We, we've been there. We've been there. And, and at times like that, we, 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 we want to extend ourselves. We, we want to find help. We want to find encouragement from a friend, but we don't just go to anybody. We want to give the people who help us the most, people who've helped me the most are the ones who have been there and done that. And sometimes I wonder if people just kind of, they shy away from going to God with their difficulties and challenges because we think, well, God just like way up there. He's like way out there. How could he ever relate to what I'm going through? And, and this morning, the, the whole challenge of this sermon series is, is for you to know that he does know, and he does understand. Hebrews 2.18 says that since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And so I want you to know this morning that he, does, he knows what you're going through. He has been there. He has done that. And he understands, he, he cares about your situation. There's a scripture verse in the Bible that says to cast all of your cares on him because he cares. He cares about you. And the third thing I, I know about Jesus is that he provides. He provides for your greatest need and your greatest struggle. So whatever you're going through today, I want you to know he knows. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, he knows. He knows. This morning I want to talk about he knows your biggest need. He knows your biggest need. And I want you to know your, your biggest need this morning, and I, I know we're going through a lot here. I'm looking around this room, a lot of people, a lot of people watching online, a lot of, a lot of stuff, but I, I just want you to know your, your biggest need is not your finances. It's not, it's not the health report. I know some of you maybe got a, 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 a diagnosis from your doctor, and it, it, it's not good, but that's not your biggest need. It's not your, your relationship struggles you're dealing with. It's not your living condition. It's not your job status. I want you to know your biggest need is really the world's greatest problem. I've got this problem. 
You've got this problem. We all have this problem, okay? We're all in on this issue. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John tells us this. If you think that you don't have this problem, you're living a lie. He, he actually basically says those words, you're living a lie. In fact, this problem is the source of all of the pain and suffering that we have encountered in this world up until this date. Romans 6.23, the Apostle Paul he tells us what the world's biggest problem is. He says, for the wages of sin is death. You see, my biggest problem, your biggest problem, the world's greatest problem here, my biggest need is how to deal with the sin problem that I have. It says, but the free gift of God, it's free. Everybody, just look at your neighbor and say it's free. God's gift to you is a free gift. And that's a wonderful thing. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So again, I, again, I just want you to know, I have a lot of struggles going on here, but I want you to know this morning, your greatest need is probably not what you think it is. Your greatest need is the answer, the solution to your sin problem. You see, because it is literally, your sin problem, my sin problem, is literally cancer to the soul, Sure, many of us here have lost somebody who's wasted away from cancer, and it started with that just that one small cell. And we know it multiplies, and it extends itself, and it expands, and it takes takes over internal organs, important organs to live. And you need to know that your sin problem. It's like cancer to your soul. And it started, and, and, and I, man, I love to get into it, how it got started, but, but it started way back with our ancient parents. Remember that, that couple, Adam and Eve, you've heard about them? Started with them. And that sin problem just kept getting handed down. It's in our blood. We wake up. Have you ever noticed nobody teaches a two-year-old how to lie? They just kind of pick it. No, I didn't do it. Did you eat that? No. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. So what is sin? Let me define sin for you. The, the Greek word is hamartia, hamartia. It means to reject, ignore, or rebel against God by doing things our own way instead of trusting his ways. So, so I, know, I know when I'm when I'm sinning, I know because I'm, I'm living by my feelings. I, I'm just, I'm not really trusting God. I'm trusting in myself and I go by my feelings. There was a season in my life, season that, that I went through and I, I, I just remember I was purposely, you ever been through this season? I was purposely ignoring God. I really felt like I was hearing the voice of God at that time and I was purposely ignoring. So if he was telling me to go left, I started to go right. You ever been in one of those seasons in life? And I tell you this, it was the most miserable time of my life. Though I was having fun, I was having fun in that season, I would wake up and I, was, I didn't have joy and I didn't have peace. And I had this sense of guilt. I don't know if you've ever felt that, experienced that before, but you're just like, I'm having fun but I don't have joy. Where is the joy in all of this? 
You see, there's two ways that we, that, that we sin. There's two ways. There, there, there's, first of all, it's the sin of commission. Commission, everybody say commission. Commission is this, is that we do not do what, we, I'm sorry, we do what we shouldn't do, okay? That's, that, that's how I was living in that season of life. I was doing what I shouldn't do. And every, every once in a while, I wake up and I, I'm, I find myself doing or saying things, thinking things that I know I shouldn't. They're, they're, it's just not right. And I, I get this, this sense of conviction. I just, ah, I don't feel good about it. But there's also this sin of omission. Everybody say omission. Omission is this. Omission is when we don't do what we should. You see, sometimes I, I, I get a sense like, man, I should really help this person out. And I just, I should do something. I have the means that eh, I, somebody else will help them out. Ever, ever, ever have that happen before? You see, James tells us that that's sin. When we know the things we should do and we don't do it. We, in other words, when we ignore God's voice, we, we sin. And here's the real problem. Here is the real, this is why this is such a problem in our lives. This is why it's so problematic. The real problem with sin is it creates separation from God. And that's a dark place. And it's a lonely place. And it's, it's maybe that, that place that you have been before and it's why you felt like, man, why do I feel uneasy? Why do I, I feel like this lack of peace? You see, when I choose to live in my sin, relationship with God is broken. I remember when I was a kid and, and, and we, my, my mom told us, don't be jumping on the bed. And so when mom went to the other side of the house, what did we do? We just started jumping on it. And you know what? One time, the bed frame broke. And my mom said those dreaded words, just you wait until your father comes home. That was punishment enough, right? I should have called children's services on her for that. And I, you know what I wanted to do? I didn't want to face my dad. I wanted to run away. And I remember, you know, packing some stuff, you know, maybe grabbing some snacks out of the pantry. My mom, she wouldn't, she wouldn't allow me to go out of the house, so I, I remember running away. You see, what happened is that I didn't want to face my father. And so I just wanted to run away. I just wanted to pretend like it never happened. I just wanted it to go away. And that's what happens with God. It, it causes our separation because there, there's something in our relationship that has been broken. I want you to understand this morning that when I sin, it's not that God leaves me, it's that I leave him. Understand that this morning. When you sin, God doesn't leave you, you leave him. And all of a sudden there's this big gap that forms between us that we cannot fix on our own. So this morning as we celebrate Easter, Easter demonstrate that Jesus not only knows your greatest need, but he meets your greatest need. Jesus not only knows your greatest need, but he meets your greatest need this morning. So how does he do that? You want to follow along in your notes. Can you take that phone call outside? Would that be all right? Thank you. He, need, he knows that you need 
a savior. This morning on this Easter Sunday, I want you to know he knows that you need a savior. And he, he met it, he met this through his life, through his life. You see, God decided to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. I want you to understand that. Whenever you look through the Bible and you read this, about these things that this Jesus thing, this Jesus person did, that was God revealing himself to you. The name Jesus actually means Savior. Did you know that? that? It means Savior. And God sent Jesus to live among us in the flesh. We talked about this last week, but just, just go ahead. Let's just, just practice this again. Kind of just give your neighbor a little budge. Just give you a little budge. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? So if Jesus was sitting next to you, he would have felt that little budge that you gave him. You know why? Because Jesus was God and he came to live in the flesh and he felt our pain. He felt our, our, our challenges. He even felt discouraged at times. He felt heaviness in his heart. And he was born in lowly conditions in a stable in Bethlehem. As a young boy, he would go into the temple courts and he would begin to learn and grow. And then he would become, he would begin to teach the people in the courts. And the Bible says that the people were amazed at, at, at his authority and what he did. Well, so then when he starts his ministry, we know that Jesus went and he, he was baptized before he started his ministry. And then from baptism, he went into the desert to be tempted by Satan and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came out and he called 12 disciples to come and follow him. And he says, I am gonna make you, I'm gonna turn you into fishers of men. You've been fishing your life, all your whole life as your, your occupation. Now you're gonna be fishers of men. And then he went from community to community with this mission. This, check out his mission. If Jesus had a mission statement, it was this verse right here. Luke 19, 10, it says, that I've come to seek and save those who are lost. Man, I love that. You see, that's what a savior does. He rescues people who are hopeless and lost. And he, and he, he didn't just say it. He did it. Because we see that in his word that he began to hang around the worst of all sinners. He hung around tax collectors, adulterers, prostitutes. He hung around bad people, okay? He was around bad people. He was hanging around people who needed it the most. And he had compassion for those people who were in need. Uh, he, he healed the lepers. He healed the paralyzed. And he brought sight to the blind. He set people free from demons. He met people right where they are. Don't you? I love that, that story of Jesus when he meets that woman at the well. Oh, and all of her hurt and all of her shame. Jesus meets him, meets her right where she is. And Jesus still does the same thing today. He meets us right where we are. He performed miracles. He fed thousands of people with just two loaves of bread and these small fish. He walked on water. And then he calls Peter, hey, Peter, you come and walk on water too. He raised a man from the dead, Lazarus. What a surprise. And thousands of people followed him. And, and he taught these people. But one time, everybody say one time. One time he made this statement, and it must have caught their, I know it caught their attention then, and I want you to know this statement still 
catches people's attention today. Because Jesus said these really profound and controversial words. He said, he said, I, he talking about himself, he said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And because of that, no one is able, nobody can come to God except through me. So what, 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 he, what he did right here, this is like, Savior declaration. This is, no, I, I, I really am. Like, I, you know, not only do all these really cool things here, but I'm the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. He's saying, I am the way. I am the, the only way. I am, uh, I, he said, I am, uh, he's not a way to God, but I am the only way to God. And you know why that bothers us? Because there's a lot of people who just want to believe, well, ah, there's many, there's many roads to God. But Jesus, no, 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 that, that's not true. I am the only way to God. And then he says, I am the truth. Uh, he is the truth that all mankind is in search of. You see, there's many truths out there, but Jesus said, I am the truth. And then he says, I am the life. And you know what he's talking about here? He's talking about his deity. He's, he's saying, I am the son of God. I am the source of all life. There was a man by the name of C.S. Lewis, and he was an author uh, back in the, in, the, in the 1940s, and he was a profound atheist. And something happened as he studied philosophy, he began to discover that Jesus really is who he says that he is. And he became a Christ follower. Listen to what he says about Jesus. He says, you must make your choice. Either this man, talking about Jesus, was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and you can kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He was not left, he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You see, if Jesus is truly the way, the truth, and the life, then he is truly the savior of the world. In Mark 8, 29, Jesus looks at his disciples, and it's just one of those defining moment statements. He looks at his disciples, and he asks them this question. He says, who do you say that I am? In other words, I, I can make all these statements and declarations about myself, but what about you? Can I, can I ask you on this Easter Sunday morning, who is Jesus to you? And this is such an important question because I think the answer to this question, it, ha it impacts our life, how we live today, but it has an impact on eternity. So he, he knows you need a savior. That's why he, so he, again, he knows. He knows your biggest need and he knows that you need a savior. The second thing he, he knows, he knows you need a solution. And that's, that explains the whole death on the cross here. Good Friday here was just a few days ago. And we recognize what Jesus endured on the cross. 
We, we remember the story of him agonizing in the garden and pleading with God, God, could, could there maybe be another way? And then him saying, but not my will, but your will be done. It said that he agonized so much that he, was, he, he, he uh, began to sweat drops of blood. We know that in the garden, he was betrayed. Oh, sometimes that's, that's, that's more hurtful than, than uh, flesh pain. He was betrayed by his friend and his disciple, Judas. And then we remember the injustice of the mock trials. They took him before the Sanhedrin and, and these people began to, to spit at him and mock him and punch him. And they just made this mock trial. And it was just, it was all a farce. It was just all a scam. He, I mean, they had it in for him. And then we remember that one scene you ever seen that scene where, where he's standing in front of the crowd? The same people who just a few days earlier were, were just greeting him as he came into the city gates of Jerusalem, like, ah, here comes our Messiah. Like, oh, this is Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived. And these same people, these very same people are now calling for his crucifixion. Rejection. Rejection. And then, and then, and then the, the Bible tells us, we know what happens with crucifixion, that they took him down below and, and they begin to punch at him and pull at his beard. They begin to make a mockery out of him. And then they put him on the scourging post. And I'm not gonna get into the details of that, but they whipped him in horrible beating, horrible beating. And they put a, a crown of thorns on his head and they made him carry his cross through the city streets could barely make it. He fell down, and, and, and they, the, the Roman guards made another man carry the cross for him. And then they laid him down on this cross because that's what they do with crucifixion. And they nailed his hands and his feet to this cross. And then they raised him up on this cross. And you know how you die of crucifixion? It's slow suffocation. And it's there that he died for us, and he did it for you. Listen to Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You see, sin, what we talked about earlier, your sin, my sin, my problem, your problem, it's unrighteous. And there must be a price that is paid for the sin to make it right again. You have to pay a price. And Jesus paid the price for all mankind so that what? So that we could be made right with God. Now, listen, I, I'm gonna give an illustration. I am not advocating the death penalty. But how many of you have ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, I remember watching that movie and just like, just my heart goes out to the prisoner who's in that and we know that, well, I don't know if you know this, there's 2,414 prisoners in the United States who are on death row. And the whole reason that they are on death row is because they've committed a horrible crime. In other words, the only way you get the death penalty is like you went above and beyond. And there's nothing that they could do to ever repay what is done. I'm sure many of the prisoners, I put myself in that place, like, man, what, what can I do to make up for this? Like, I can't, I can't bring that person back to life. I can't make up for this. Their death is the atonement. The prisoner's death is what you call an atonement. They must pay the price for the crime. 
Now, imagine that it's you. Imagine that you have committed such a heinous crime that you deserved a death penalty, and you are sitting in that, in that jail cell, and all of the thoughts going through your mind, and I mean, I, I would be thinking regret, regret, and angry with myself. Why did I do this? I, I would be like, man, there's got to be a way out of here. You know, I'm using my little plastic spoon to try to dig a tunnel out of the situation as you just wait for that fateful day. Every day, wishing that you could fix what was broken. And now I want you to imagine, as you're sitting in your jail cell, One day, you hear the keys rattling and the door open and it's the the warden for the prison. And the warden says, there's been a change. There's been a change. We have somebody who has come to my office and they are willing, they have willingly volunteered to take your place. You are, congratulations, you are now a free person. Your record is clear. And you begin to walk out of your prison cell and you see this person walking in. Am I dreaming? What, 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 what? This makes no sense. Like, I'm a free man. So, so part of you is like, yes, I'm not gonna die, but What? What? And you find out a few days later, this person pays the price of your sins. That is what Jesus did for you. You see, our sin problem, going back to that, we deserve, and you might think, no, 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 I'm a good person. I know, I know, like, I'm a really good, I'm a pastor. I get paid to be good. I came out wrong, but <laughs> that's still funny. <laughs> I, I'll speak for myself. I deserve the death penalty. I won't speak for you. And then Jesus paid that price for me. Listen to what he says here in 1 John. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. You see, that word again, atonement, everybody say atonement. That is the fine that is owed for your crime. Now, again, I told you already, I've done some bad things in my life. And I may or may not have received a few speeding tickets in my lifetime. I will not confess But let's just say that I have. (laughs) Each time that I may have received that speeding ticket, I received a fine that I had to pay. And if I chose not to pay that fine, and maybe some of you have found yourself in that situation, maybe with a parking ticket, you find that the next time you were pulled over, uh, you're in a lot of trouble and you may have went to jail because you didn't pay your fine and, and, and because it just accumulates. That's what happens. It just accumulates. But when I paid my fines, 
I signed that paper and I gave them the check. I was clear. My record was clear. There, I paid the atonement. The price had been paid. And again, that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He paid the price for your sin. So when you look at the cross, I want you to think of this, okay? Again, talking about the solution. I would look at the cross, I want you to think God's love for you. He loved you enough to pay the price for you. I want you to think of the word, I want you to think of God's forgiveness. When you look at the cross over there, think of God's forgiveness. It says that, Jesus, that when Jesus was on the cross, the first words that came out of his mouth, you, you, I can't, there are many other words I would think if I was on the cross, but he looked out at all of the mankind in front of him, the people who put him on the cross, and then he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So he knows your need. He knows that you need a savior. He knows you need a solution, his death. And last of all, he knows you need a supernatural resurrection. Let me read this, Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Let's just put yourself there. A great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. And his face shined like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. And the guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. This is my favorite. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said it would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. You see, it's true. It's true today. Jesus is not dead he has risen from the tomb, and he is alive today. And you know what that means? That changes everything. What is, his, what is his resurrection? What is resurrection? It means to take what is dead and to give it life. Jesus came in the flesh. He died in the flesh, and he rose again in new life. So why is this all important? Well, all Christianity really depends on this whole, this whole epic event right here. It tells us here, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if the resurrection never happened, then this is just a show. This, this is all in vain. We're like, we're just a big spaghetti monster in the sky. But if the resurrection really happened, and Christ died, and he rose again a few days later, then what you believe about Christ makes all the difference in the world. Let, let me read this, Romans 1, 4, and it says, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus makes this statement about himself again. Another one of those controversial statements. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live. That's why today is so important. Because it's all about you. It's all about you. Anyone 
who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this? You see, it's recorded that, that Jesus showed up after he died. Can, can you just imagine? I'm sure many of you have attended a funeral of a loved one or a friend, and you saw the body in the casket. Maybe you touched the hands. You're like, ah, oh, that's, that's not them anymore. And you grieve their loss. And can you imagine seeing that same person three days after you touched their hand in the casket? Can you imagine what that would do to you? Well, it did something to the disciples. It caught their attention. And it said that Jesus reappeared to them over 13 times. One time, he appeared to a crowd of over 500 people, and none of them doubted that it was Jesus. You know how, you know how it really becomes profound? If you look at the disciples, these guys were just a weak group of people, and they ran the sign of danger. But the Bible tells us that of these disciples, that 11 of them were martyred for their faith. Let me ask you, would you ever give up your life for a lie? Not only does the Bible show this, but history books show that these people gave their lives. And the other one, John, well, he lived out his imprisonment on a deserted island. My question is for you today, if all of these disciples gladly lay down their lives to proclaim Jesus, why would they do this if it never happened? So what's so significant about the resurrection? The resurrection reveals that Jesus is alive. He is alive today. He is not dead. He's very much alive. Listen to me. And he wants, because he's alive, he wants to have a relationship with you. Number two, if, if, if the resurrection is alive, he is who he says he is. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the light. There is no other way to God except through him. And if the resurrection is true, then he can do what he says that he can do. That he can forgive you on a cross. He can make you into a new person. He can give you a peace and a joy and a hope that you'll never find in this world. And he can give you eternal life. And if the resurrection is true, then what we do with Jesus matters. If he truly is resurrected, he is who he says he is, we, we got a couple choices. We can just like reject this, like, yeah, I've heard this before. You can ignore it or you can receive it. We're gonna close out our service this morning with a time of communion. I'm gonna ask you right now, if you do not receive a communion cup, please raise your hand. We serve an open communion here at Thrive Church. That means you don't need to be a member of this church. But I just ask that you do what scripture encourages us to do that we reflect. We reflect on who Jesus was and we reflect on our relationship with this Jesus 
This Jesus who proclaimed to be Savior, who became our solution, and who became our supernatural resurrection. I want to ask you this morning, have you received this Jesus that we're talking about this morning? Because he wants to live in relationship with you. Before we take communion, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus, to be your Savior to be the solution for your sins, and to be that supernatural resurrection. Paul tells us this. He says, if you would openly declare that Jesus is Lord of your life and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because that's what saviors do. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, and you would like to receive this Jesus that I've talked about this morning, I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads and pray with me. Just say, God, I need you. I recognize what your life was all about. I recognize what you did for me on the cross. And Lord, I, I believe in your resurrection. And I'm asking you to come and live inside of me to forgive me of my sin and be that sin solution. And I'm choosing today to be born again and to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.